listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Lyric Opera Music Director Sir Andrew Davis is backstage at Lyric. We're having a great deal of fun rehearsing this. I mean, we're just laughing all the time and, and laugh so much in rehearsals in many years. Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. This season, Sir Andrew Davis is celebrating the 10th anniversary of his tenure as music director at Lyric, where he's conducting three productions, The Mikado, The Girl of the Golden West, and Lohengrin. In addition to conducting performances with major orchestras around the world this season, Sir Andrew will also be returning to the Met Canadian Opera Company, Covent Garden, and the company where he was formerly music director, Glyndebourne Festival Opera. Sir Andrew is a huge fan of Gilbert Sullivan. For many months, he's been looking forward to Lyric's new production of The Mikado. I had the pleasure of sitting down and speaking with him about it during a rehearsal break. Before we get to that conversation, let me give you an idea of the story. In the fictional Japanese town of Titipu, Koko, a poor tailor, is condemned to death for flirting. He's shocked to be not only reprieved, but also given the rank of Lord High Executioner. His problem is that he hasn't executed anyone, and if he doesn't do so within a month, his post will be abolished and the town reduced to the rank of a village. Koko is engaged to be married to his ward Yum Yum. She actually loves Nankipu, a wandering minstrel. She's distressed to learn that her beloved is actually the son of the Mikado. He's fled the court so that he won't have to marry his father's daughter-in-law-elect, the aged and unpleasant Katisha. Since he can't have Yum Yum, he attempts suicide, but he's stopped by Koko, who makes a bargain. Nankipu can marry Yum Yum if he consents to be executed a month later. The visit of the Mikado, with Katisha in tow, produces all manner of complications. But in the end, there are two happy couples, not only Nankipu and Yum Yum, but also Koko and Katisha. Now, on to my conversation with Lyric Opera Music Director Sir Andrew Davis. I hope you enjoy it. I guess we assume in this country that anyone who grows up in England grows up listening to Gilbert and Sullivan. So have you known Gilbert Sullivan all your life? Yes, I haven't actually been to that many performances of GNS over the course of my life, but somehow by osmosis one knows it. And uh, I listened to various performances on the radio when I was young, and I had the music of some of the pieces. And so it is, I, I guess there are a few people in England who don't, don't have this experience, for, but for most of us it's part of our national heritage. And did you sing in any of them in high school? No. Now, I know a lot of schools in England put on Gilbert and Sullivan regularly, and several members of our cast actually have had the experience, not only English people but Americans, of, of actually performing GNS at school. I didn't actually do that. We didn't do musicals at my school. We did a lot of plays. We had an excellent drama department, and, you know, I found myself writing music for a production of Henry V and, and so on, and uh, being one of the fairies in the Midsummer Night's Dream before my voice broke. But um, it is absolutely one of the sort of foundations of um, British culture, you might say, and 
Indeed, if you think that the first major English composer since Purcell was arguably Elgar, then this represents, you know, the generation or two before that and, and shows that England wasn't actually Land ohne Musik, as who, who famously said that? I can't remember. Land without music? Land without music. Um, it was some German or other. Um, <laughs> actually, Sir Arthur Sullivan disproves that in a rather beautiful way. So you had a wonderful success, you and all of your colleagues, when we did Gilbert and Sullivan's The Pirates of Penzance some seasons ago. So was it that success that made you think, oh, we should try Mikado? Yes, I mean, some people have said, why are we doing the Savoy operas, you know, when, but they are called operas, don't forget. Uh, you know, isn't this too frivolous and, and um, insignificant? And my response is, well, we do The Merry Widow, you know, we do Fledermaus. What's the difference except that they're in German? <laughs> because they're, they're very similar, especially, especially The Merry Widow. I mean, it's a very elegant world that is portrayed but no Viennese society but you know this is British society in the 19th century or Japanese society in the case of Mikado I don't see the difference the music is certainly of the same quality Sullivan was first of all he wrote marvelous tunes he was a very deft orchestrator there's an elegance about the orchestral writing and the whole style of the music that outdoes the Viennese in some some cases it's it's English but, excuse me, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and, and I think we all enjoyed doing Pirates very, very much indeed, and it was a great success. And I think part of the success was due to the fact that we took it very seriously. I don't mean, you know, we, we didn't enjoy the jokes. Of course we do, and, and we're having a great deal of fun rehearsing this. I mean, we're just laughing all the time and haven't laughed so much in rehearsals in many years. But um, we did it with a lot of care, Pirates, we made sure that the style was right and visually it was very Victorian. Very um, beautiful. Very beautiful, sort of picture postcard Victorian, which worked very well. This production has moved a little bit in time and is sort of set in the 20s. So we have a view of Japan as it might have been in the 20s with a good deal of Western dress, actually. Again, it's this attention to detail and also the idea of... of um, that the whole thing has to be done with very good taste. We steer totally clear of slapstick yes. and make, the, make sure that everything stays in bounds. And I think that's what gives these productions their class. I am sorry to report that after we did Pirates here, it went to London, the English National Opera, where they totally vulgarised it and put all sorts of terrible slapstick and... And, and a lot of stuff in him. I didn't see it, but I heard about this in, in very poor taste. And I was furious because, of course, in the program, it said courtesy uh, the program from the Lyric Opera of Chicago. And I thought, if they're going to think this is the kind of work we, we do here, and I was very, very upset about that. Um, we talked um, off mic um, earlier about this text and how uh, of Mikado, and it, it was written you know, well over a century ago, and yet we're still in hysterics over it. So it really is flat out hilarious. So do you have a favorite line, now that you've been in rehearsal with this for a couple of weeks, do you have a favorite line of text that sort of encapsulates the kind of humor that, that Gilbert was going for? Well, uh, yes, Andrew Shaw, has, uh, who's Poobah, has this marvelous line, the scene when Coco tries to kiss Yum Yum, who is his warden he's about to marry. 
which, of course, he never does. And she says, are you going to kiss me in front of all these people? And he said, well, yes, that was the idea or something like that. And, and he turns to Poobah, and Poobah says, I have known it done. <laughs> when she says, I mean... <laughs> a perfectly simple line. A yeah, perfectly in context. simple line, and it's all to do with delivery. You mm. know, that's that's the, the other thing. It's... Um, uh, and Andrew Shaw is particularly a genius at timing and intonation of, you know, pitching the voice just in the right way to make one laugh. And um, this dialogue, funny as it is, doesn't do itself, you know. I mean, rehearsing it has is, is been a fascinating process because it's all a question of timing and, as I say, intonation of the voice, uh, inflections. But I think the, the reason that the dialogue is still funny is that, for the most part, we're talking about emotions and human situations that are universal. I mean, they're set in a particular time and in a particular place, but we're talking about love and we're talking about jealousy and pettiness and corruption, um, all those things, and pride, and it's all still with us today and always will be. Also, there, at least where Katashaw is concerned, there's a trace of vulnerability, too, in her she has her own little private moment where um, and that brings me to uh, one question which is you know, I'm curious with everybody who's working on, on Armacata what people's favorite moment is musically and our director Gary Griffin was talking to me about Katasha's aria being a real highlight for him. What is your favorite musical portion of this score? Oh look it's, it's hard to say. I mean there I mean I love Yum Yum's aria about the sun and the moon and she likens herself to the sun and the moon. She said there's not a trace upon her face of diffidence or shyness, which is... Uh, Yum Yum is a supremely self-confident young lady. And she, uh, actually, one of my favourite lines is she says, I often wonder why it is that I am the most attractive girl in the whole world. And she says, Can this be vanity? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, but uh, actually, Katashizare is very moving because it does show her vulnerability and another of my favorites is is Titwilla, which is the song that Coco sings to her to woo her which is in a way a pathetic little tale yet it's so silly you know this is a he talks about a bird that he saw pining and eventually plunged to his death in in the river and he says I'm sure that I'm sure, just as sure that my name isn't Willow, tit Willow, tit Willow, that was blighted affection, affection that made him exclaim, Oh, Willow, tit Willow, tit Willow. And if you remain callous and obdurate, like that word, I shall certainly perish, and you will know why, though I probably shall not exclaim as I die, Oh, Willow, tit Willow, tit Willow. It's very tender. It's silly, but it wins her over. And, um, you know, they end the opera's a couple, and they may turn out to be the happiest couple of the lot. Who knows? Now, what, are, what is the most enjoyable aspect of these Mikado rehearsals? <laughs> Just we never stop laughing. Well, that's great. <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen when you're rehearsing Lohengrin too much. <laughs> Not that we, have, we haven't started that yet. Do you agree with me that this is that the level of musicality going on in this cast is really exceptional? Well, I think that's what we've tried to do. We, we did it in, in Pirates, and we're doing it now. We, but we decided that we would really put together the most distinguished cast that we could. 
Now, for example, Stephanie Blythe, one of our great American artists, and we've been trying for a long time to get her, and for one reason or another, things haven't worked out. She heard we were going to be doing the Mikado, and she said, please, can I come and sing Katya? And we said, yes, but we'd like you to come and sing it Balo as well. So we finally have her debut here. But actually, we have GNS to thank for it. And she's having a wonderful time, and I'm adoring working with her. I've known her a long time. Lovely person, wonderful artist, very creative and imaginative, and, and very funny, very funny. So, um, uh, but you know, we have our, our former Votan as the Mikado, Andrew Shaw, who's done so many marvelous things with us, including Falstaff a few years ago, Andriana Chuchman, who is just left the Ryan Opera Center recently and is has a delicious voice and looks absolutely gorgeous. I mean, uh, and, and then Neil Davis, who was our uh, major general in Pirates. It's, very, it's a very distinguished group, and uh, and even... We have another lovely debut coming, which is Toby Spence, isn't it? Yes, uh, Toby Spence, wonderful British artist who's been in Santa Fe but hasn't been to us before, is Nanki Poo. And again, beautiful singing, wonderful with the text. And um, even our pity sing has just sung Carmen with us. So, you know, Kathy this is... Goldner. A, absolutely. And she's really marvellous. Um, so it's all the attention to detail and, and making sure that, first of all, the piece is stylishly done with the best singing you could possibly find and people who can deliver the text in a hilarious but never vulgar way. And I think that's, I hope, the secret of, of the success of what we did last time and, and what this one will be also. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org. 